for this week coming up to. I'm expecting God to speak loud and clear. I get to commission the group in Concord on the, is it the 29th? Yes, 29th. So that'll be in the evening. So I get to exhort and commission whoever's there, who's ever left over, whoever made it through the 50 hours. It's going to be good. How you doing, man? Boils going on or what? <laughs> okay. Okay. Open with me to uh, Matthew, cha Matthew chapter 10. Going to talk about giving the kingdom. Giving the kingdom. What you got to give. What you got to give. What do we got to give? We got to give Jesus, but we got to give the kingdom of God. So I just want to clarify a couple things before I get into this. Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 11 says this, he gave himself some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Ready? Highlight this. Are you there with me? How many of you have a Bible, like a paper Bible? Look, I put mine up here on purpose. Highlight it in your, you know, I know you can do it. Highlight this. For the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. And for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come to the unity of faith. And of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. What's my job right now in these times? <laughs> to equip, to exhort, right? To equip you to go what? Imagine if everyone in this place led someone to Christ or actually got them to come to a place of worship. We'd be doubled like that. Right? So here's what the challenge is, right? That the Lord is wanting us as the, as the church, as the ecclesia, to live with expectation that God's going to use us to do something phenomenal. <laughs> Boy, there's new wine. Some wine pressing happened in here while, we were, while that stuff was going on. It's good. So how many want to be equipped? Half of you. Okay, I'm in trouble. Let's leave, get everyone outside and then come back in. No, no. How many want to be equipped? Really? Come on. All right, all right. Just don't be like, maybe. Come on. Right? I know that would, I, I know that. I'm in, that this place, everyone's hungry. So here's the deal God wants to teach us, the Holy Spirit wants to teach us and fill us to be absolutely incapacitated so all we can give is the kingdom of heaven. Right? And so I'm excited because I feel something crazy going on. See, he's just doing what I feel. <laughs> I've been like that all week. I get in my truck, I worship, I start crying, I start weeping. God comes into the cabin of my truck every day this week, and I'm not saying that to say, ooh, look at me. No, I'm saying that because God, something's up. 
Why? Because he's just doing it to you? No. I'm telling you, I can sense when something's happening. When something's about to expand. When the kingdom is about to increase. I can feel it. It's in my body. It's, it, it wants to move outside of me. Right? And so we want to govern the Holy Ghost down. Govern it down. Don't get crazy. Don't get out of control. I don't. I don't want to do it. I'm like, God, you're on me. I go from one place this week to another just to drop a mixer off to get prepared. And I'm like, God, I'm a mess. I got to get it together. Like, I got to get it together. I'm like in the real world. (laughs) Just because heaven's in my truck means I have to get out. Come on. It's not about in and out. It's about you release it where you are, right? So just look at Matthew chapter 10. One of my favorite portions of Scripture. It's all my favorite. You know that. I always say that to every portion because you just want to eat it all, right? I was going to start at uh, 5, but I'll just start at 1. It says this, and when he had called his 12 disciples, that's a good point, he called us. Point number one. No, it's not even my point. <laughs> Called us to him. Everyone nod, yes. That's what it's about. He calls us to himself. And that's the whole thing about Jesus. He wants you with him first in all things. I want to go do this. I got big dreams. Good. Be with him. I have to give myself completely over to whatever he wants. And if he chooses to incapacitate me for the afternoon, then that's okay. Or even tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. And he gave them power over unclean spirits. Someone say amen. Amen. That's something that we should shout about, right? To cast them out, to heal all kinds of diseases and all kinds of, well, all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of diseases. And then he goes through the disciples Verse 5, and just hold on, wait, the disciples, right? He gives us all their names. Now, can I just tell you that when Leonardo da Vinci and Michelangelo and all these people drew the apostles around the table with Jesus, they probably didn't look like they were in their middle age. Like, they probably weren't in their 40s. As a matter of fact, it says that Peter might have been 20 because he had to pay taxes. Mm. So they were probably like, 17, 18, 15, could have been 15. (laughs) I I find it funny. I find it funny that he left the Great Commission to 12 teenagers. Because I have one, right? (laughs) Okay? And he's not here. See, I can say it, right? Oh, pray for him. Father, we just pray. Whatever's going on in his stomach, just take care of it. But you understand what I'm saying to you, right? They were young kids, adolescents, what would now be high school or college career. But God forbid we let the fire loose through a bunch of youth. Just saying. Okay. And these 12 
Yes, they were the dirty dozen. They didn't know what they were doing. They were completely in the dark, but they were with Jesus, right? They might have been uneducated. They might not have known where they were going, but they know who they were with, and they would know what they were about. So Jesus sent them out and commanded them. See, you need to command the teenagers every now and then. Commanded them. saying, don't go in the way of the Gentiles, do not enter the city of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out demons, freely you have received and freely give. I should have worn my shirt tonight. shirt that says all that right on there. It would have been good, but I missed it. Anyway, let's pray. Father, we just thank you. Lord, I ask that you help me just, just open up the word tonight. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your presence. I thank you for the commissioning on the church, on the ecclesia, on the, on the church of Jesus Christ. And I ask tonight, Lord, that you open up Revelation Lord, that you open up a yes in our spirit tonight. That Holy Spirit, as we engage with you right now, and we engage in the living word, that's you. Oh. That you'd teach us. Holy Spirit, you're the best teacher. So just uh, come inside my, the words that I say and release your spirit through that. And we thank you. I just want you to notice tonight that God's called us with a commissioning, right? To go. Point number one. You're sent to go. <laughs> you're sent to go. <laughs> and I, I started thinking about all the people in the Bible, all the characters that we look at as we go through Scripture. And I'll just hit on a few that are Old Testament characters just to let us know that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. When we look at the life of Abraham, what was he called? He was called out of where he was to go into a place that was unknown. And as I look at this list of things that God says to do as we bring the kingdom of heaven, which is something that's completely unknown to us, this is what he said. He said, get out of your country and the place of familiarity and comfort to the land that I'll show you. And God gives us vision so we can go somewhere. And so God's releasing vision to everyone in this place. I know it. He's releasing vision to you to know where to go. And you may not know exactly what it looks like because even as Abraham traveled, he traveled saying, I don't know where it is, but I know God knows what it looks like. And when I'm with God and he's with me and when I get there, I'm going to know what it looks like. So sometimes there's a journey to get to the place where he's called us to, but I want you to know that he doesn't want you to ever be comfortable. He doesn't want you ever to be familiar with his ways or who he is because he's calling us to be a people that are in awe of the king. <laughs> he's amazing. 
He's the honey that's on this word. He's the dripping life that's in the word of God. And I don't want to just know him as a person that we're talking about in this place, but you and I need to know him as a person who we walk with daily and that his life becomes our life and that we're completely transformed into his image, right? So you're sent out of comfort to a place of promise, to a land. The promise to Abraham was, was going to be a place that flourished. Why? Because he was following God. When we go and we, we listen to what he says and we go to the places he, go, he, go, he calls us to, right? There may be suffering for a moment, but there's joy always in the morning. Right? I've said this before. Sometimes we don't like change and we don't like transition. We like going from glory to glory, but it's hell in the hallway sometimes. Right? As God's pushing us into a new place, sometimes it's uncomfortable and God's calling us to the place of discomfort so that the glory of God can be seen on your life. Right? Glory. And that place that you're going to flourish is right before you. You just don't know it. You don't know what it looks like. Right? But heaven's going to reveal it to you. I promise. I promise you that. The second person was Moses. Right? I'm just going to go through a few, just a couple of the Old Testament people. Right? Because Moses, right, was the same thing. God said this, I've heard the cry of the children of Israel. It comes up to me. And how many know that God hears the cry of America? God hears the cry of the nations? God hears the cry of every person's family that doesn't know him, that are lost without him? And God hears the cry because the whole earth is groaning. You know that, right? The whole earth is groaning for the emerging, for the rising of the sons of men. And then Moses asked the question, like we all ask, who am I to go bring them out? Because <laughs> I don't care what you think. You, don't, you, you may not look, you may not seem qualified. But you know the one that will qualify. He will use you. He'll give you words in season. He'll help you to, to speak a word in season to someone that will save their soul. Come on. That will bring them out of darkness into light. And, and the other thing that, that God said, He said, I'll certainly be with you. You know, and, and the conversation was an argument. Moses says, Who am I? God says, You're the one that I've called. Just go do it. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you what you need to go do what I've called you to do. And so this has been echoing through the ages. I will help you. I'll be with you. I'll qualify you. Don't worry. Don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. Have courage. It's all throughout eternity. And then we get to Gideon. We laugh at Gideon. Right? What was it with Gideon? Gideon was down Threshing wheat in the wine press. And all these people have one thing in common. I'll get to that at the end. But Gideon 
the angel of the Lord says to him, oh, mighty man of valor. And he's looking around like, who? You can't be talking to me. And I think each one of us, when we come to Christ, we don't think we're qualified. Again, it goes back to being qualified or disqualified. But you're not disqualified at all. God's called you with a holy calling. Right? He's called you with purpose. He's called you with intensity. Come on. It's not like, uh, I think we come to God sometimes thinking it's optional. It is. But I'm telling you, he's like, come on. Are you ready, set, go? Because two-thirds of God is go. He wants to send us and bring us into a place. So then you have Gideon, he's asking why all this is happening. God, didn't you, weren't you the God of signs and wonders? What's happening now? And God says this, you're the solution. How many are the solution? None of you. How many are the solution in this room? Please help me. You are the solution. You are absolutely the solution. No, God's the solution. I know that. I know that. But you have been given the spirit of God inside of you. And you are the solution. God's given the church. How do you think change is going to happen in the U.S.? In just, let's just say southern New England. Just say New England. How's it going to happen? It's not going to be we're going to sit and pray that angels come and invade and evangelize the earth. That's not biblical. Right? Why? Because Jesus said, I commission you to go into all the world. And preach the gospel. Right? So he was sent to go. And so Gideon was hiding. Say hiding. He was hiding. Now hiddenness is okay for a season. Can I say that? It's okay to hide in God for a season. But at some point we have to come out of the closet. I said this before, didn't I? Just like that. Sorry some point, God's calling us out of the hiddenness. Because what does the Bible say? When you seek him in the, in the secret place, he'll what? Open things up for you. Right? And so the reason for hiddenness is, is to encounter God Almighty who will equip you, empower you to be light and to bring you true kingdom life, and so you can bring it everywhere you go, right? When we realize this, ready? Here's the thing. He adjusted, he brought Gideon into an adjustment of his identity, right? How many want an angel to just show up and tell you what to do? That would be really good. It would be really cool. Just tell me what to do. I want the property up the street. Just tell me. Show up, you know? Come on. It'd be real easy. And so that's what Gideon had. Can I tell you something? We have something even greater. There's the Holy Spirit inside it. We have the Spirit of Christ that lives inside each one of us, right? 
And the power of God lives inside, moves, and dwells inside of you, right? He's with you, he's in you, and he's upon you. Three, you get three in one, three different ways. You can't lose, right? And so here it is. What happens is his identity got restored. And it dropped off him like a sheet, every place of insecurity. He said, who am I? I'm the smallest. I'm the least of all my people. But God says that it doesn't matter who you are in this place today, today, right? Because tomorrow, or even tonight, everything can change. But God does call us to hiddenness, don't get me wrong, because he does call us to a hidden place. And you will continually go in and out of the secret place, right? So the, there's potential in each, each one of us, and you don't need, you don't need power. If you're not going to do anything, that's harsh, isn't it? Yeah, a little bit. But you don't need power if you're not going to do anything. What do we need power for? What do I need authority for? I don't need it. If I'm going to just be chilling, I'm just chilling. I'll be chilling. <laughs> right? Seriously, man. I'll be chilling and I'll be waiting for the Holy Spirit to show up. Come on. So power comes to those who move. Every one of us. How many want the Spirit of God to just absolutely use you, wreck you? I do. It comes by fixing our gaze on Him, right? And I know I've spoke that a thousand times, right? Our gaze is fixed on Him. And then when that happens, right, the power of God comes. But when the power of God comes, you need to move and do something, right? And release something. So it's like we're a keg of dynamite with no, we've got nothing to light us, right? You're just waiting for something to happen. And the church is like a keg of dynamite. I'm just waiting for the Spirit of God to come and just light that thing up. Because honestly, when, I, when stuff like tonight, this whole week has been going on, I've just been like, God, help us. Help us to do exactly what you're speaking to us to do. I don't want to move without wisdom, but I don't want to wait and wait and wait. A little zeal should overrun us, right? A little bit of zeal is good and overrun us, should overrun us and move us into the places God calls us. So number two, the message of the kingdom is here and now. What's he saying? He's saying, preach. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. <laughs> what does the kingdom mean? Some, things, some people think it means when we, when we go to glory, we see the kingdom of heaven. That's not true. That is true, but it's not true. What Jesus was talking about, the kingdom of heaven is always near. It's right next to you. It's always in your grasp. It's just a matter of any one of us wanting to grab hold of it. Right? I just want to grab hold of God so that he'll grab hold of me. Because if you grab him, he's going to do something to you. If you just grab hold of God, right? If Jesus wouldn't have taught us to pray, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven if he didn't mean it. Really. <laughs> he meant that. That wasn't like a nice, you know, religious prayer that we pray during certain services. 
hearing me. That wasn't it. The idea was that we prayed, Jesus, let that kingdom come right here, right now. So we knew that something would absolutely come to us and be revealed. And when God shows up, look, listen, it's like, it's like an embassy. It's like, the, it's like another government coming into our midst. What happens in an embassy? I got it. I wrote, I wrote it down. Right? It's a diplomatic representation of a, a country's government. In another country. In another place. So you're what? Ambassadors. Diplomats. From the embassy. The embassy's right here, right now. <laughs> you have diplomatic immunity. Come on. Right? That the kingdom of heaven's here right now. And God wants to move us and bring the kingdom. Bring the embassy of God. Bring his presence and throne to wherever you're invited to. To the one you see on the side of the road that needs help. We're waiting to be engaged in the church and really it's, it's not even about that. Right? Listen, if you, if you let loose 15 to 20 year olds with a lot of power, I think he can handle it. I really do. I think he can handle it. I think he taught them for three years. And how many people have been in church for over three years? Don't even let me, uh, yeah, go ahead, put your hands up. I just want to see. Oh, man, you're overqualified, see? You understand what I'm saying? What does an embassy do? It transmits a message of its home government to the government of the host country, right? It transmits a message, and that's what God says. He said, go and preach. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Go preach that message. The reality is that it's always near. It's always with us. It's always around us. And so it's God's dominion now. Right? It's not the millennial future. It's now. It may mean something in the millennial future, but it's now. It's now and then, right? Because what happens is we use theology to form our thinking, and then we don't, do, we don't just go for it, right? Because we have people that think, think that apostles and prophets are no longer on the earth, right? It's all permeated through the church. You know that, right? I know you're sitting here and we don't believe that, but sometimes, you know, if you get out in the, if we get out in the, like, other churches, other circles, you realize that, wow, they don't believe anything I believe. I believe one thing I believe. Well, we might have Jesus in common, right? Jesus died on the cross in salvation, but that's, that's about it. No, healing is not for today, brother. It's God, it's sovereign. And the kingdom looks like something when it comes, right? God's, God's embassy arrives where we are, right here, right now, where we're out in the streets, when we're right there, when we're praying for someone on the streets or just sharing and witnessing. But there's something that's going to activate, something you know. Can I say that? How do you know when you're filled with the Holy Spirit? 
<laughs> if you got to ask, you don't have it. Seriously, when the kingdom of God comes, you know it's in the room. Right? When God shows up, when heaven shows up, you know he's in the room. So what is, what's the deal? So we don't want to do church? I don't want to do nothing without the kingdom around. Right? I don't know about you, but I just want, right? So, so the things like cancers can't stand in the presence of Jesus. When the kingdom of God is there, cancer has to go and disappear because it's, it's satanic. It's from this fall, but it's satanic in nature. It's disease. So we want the kingdom of heaven, so every disease, every nerve damage in, in, in the building, just, I can't deal with the presence of God. The Holy Spirit wants to come in such a way that every atom in your body is changed and renewed just like that. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, Jesus shows up. Seriously. And so I just want, I want our hearts to be ready, right? Please, I can't even wait to preach on Saturday night next week. I really can't. I can't even wait. I haven't even finished this. kingdom looks like something and its culture and atmosphere of heaven changes everything right God's world and dominions all around so when the kingdom when his kingdom invades you have and you have to ask is that is that is that God's kingdom how many know what it's like I'm telling you God tonight I want to just it already happened a little I'm never satisfied though Never satisfied. I feel like God wants to release something so great, right, for us so that it just permeates our cells and our bodies. That you never forget. You'll never forget. You'll never forget. And you'll only be hungry for that. Because that's what the Lord wants us is complete, complete hunger, complete desire, complete intent on finding him. So we want him to define himself through him, right? I don't want to be, I don't want to define God. I want to define through God's word and his person, right? That's how, he, how we define God is through his word and his person, right? That should form our thinking. That should form who we know God as. But again, if I'm not reading, if I'm not devouring the word. If I don't eat it, if I don't just continually taste and see that he's good, then how can you know what he's like? Right? How can you know what he's like if you don't know the person in scripture, the living word, the logos word, and the rhema word, right? The power of God because he's looking over his word, his word to perform it, to, right, bring it to life. I need that. You need that. 
so that when the Spirit of God comes on you, you know God's in the room. And sometimes it's like, and I've said this before, I've been dull, right? I feel like, feel nothing. Because it's not by feelings, right? But when you have faith, come on, when this word is in your heart, when this word has come inside of you and he lives inside of you and the person of Jesus lives inside of you, it doesn't matter if you have goosebumps. It doesn't matter what the sensation is. It doesn't matter what it looks like. And it doesn't matter the condition on the outside. Well, I don't feel God on that. No. Almost did it. He'll change situations. He changes things because his kingdom's there, right? He changes it because he is who he is. And the mission of the church is to let the world know that God is on the throne, that his dominion is here, right? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so he's coming to make his home on earth and not just in heavenly places. Why? How's that true? He's living in you. <laughs> but I'm seated in heavenly places, right? Come on. It's who you are. He's created you to live out of the heavenly places. And therefore, the kingdom of God is inside of you. And so when you speak, when you declare your words of power, you know that, right? talked about this before over and over. When you speak things into existence, you have creative power in your tongue to create, to bring life or death. So let's just bring life, 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 life. Number three, you're demonstrators of the kingdom. Right? Jesus tells us, he exhorts us, heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely you will give. Right, and Paul says it like this, and my speech wasn't with, with, and my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words or human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and in power. See the but? That's 1 Corinthians 2, 4. If my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, right? Because what does he call wisdom that's earthly and sensual? It's demonic. So think about that when we overthink everything, right? <laughs> I know, that's soft. Anyway. But in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, right? 1 Thessalonians 1.5, for, the, for our gospel didn't come to you in word only, right? He continues to say that. It wasn't just words. Because there was something in the words. And Paul said it's but it's also, again, it's but. Also in power and in the Holy Spirit and what? Much assurance. That means we knew what was going to happen to you. <laughs> when we prayed for the Holy Spirit to come, we knew what was going to happen. Because we believe in him. And we believe that his power resides in his people. And that when they pray, something happens. Things begin to shake and things begin to move. And it's not just another day at church. It's not just another day at Walmart. 
come on. It's not just another day at the gas station when you buy someone gas and you say, I'm going to pray for you now. Is that okay? Uh, yeah, pray for me. They want to leave. Just read it again. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you. Mm. For your sake. <laughs> so the proclamation of the gospel is powerful, right? Something has to happen if you're preaching the gospel, if you're preaching Jesus Christ crucified, resurrected, Something powerful has to happen. The life of God is in the word. The life of God is in the blood. Something happens when we speak the gospel and we begin to not begin to like try and counsel people into the gospel. Dude, it's not going to work. I'm not going to persuade them. Through apologetics, I'm sorry. But the reality is God's looking for those who are just, you, you got to get the cross inside of you. You got to get resurrection life inside of you. You got to say, God, just totally annihilate everything I thought about you and just renew everything. And honestly, it has to, I feel like it has to come every day, week to week. I'm like, God, I don't know. I don't know you. I don't, I, I'm just, I don't know. There's power in the blood. What does that even mean? I'm standing here 20 years in God and I'm saying, what does that even mean? There's life in the blood. That means there's substance in the blood of Jesus that's whirling through this building right now. But you can't see it, but the kingdom of heaven is here. When I can't see it, doesn't mean that it's not there. And that's where we get stuck. I'm not feeling it, I'm not seeing it. Well, what about the prayer of faith that heals the sick and raises them up? Right? What about speaking and declaring things? It's been weird. Like I think things as of lately and all of a sudden they start happening. It trips me out sometimes. Like it's my thoughts. I didn't even say it. Right? I'm saying it to the Lord and then something happens. It's awesome. It's like communion and prayer, right? It's like you're talking to the Lord in your mind. How I many know he doesn't? You don't even have to say things. And the Lord knows the desires of your heart. And even though you are anticipating things happening and then they begin to happen. So God raised us in a, in a culture that believes you on all occasions. In our body, in our mind, in our spirit. I want to feel him. I want to encounter him. But sometimes it's just not like that, Right? So the power of the gospel, the proclamation of the gospel brings us to a place 
you got to see it. That it destroys every, every enemy. If you really believe, if you're full of faith, what does that even look like? God help my unbelief that I would completely believe, that I would completely and entirely sell my brain out so that I would not be double-minded because a double-minded man gets nothing from you, God. Not one thing. That's what the word says. I didn't say it. That's what James tells me. If I'm double-minded, I don't get anything. Zero. I wasn't going there. Anyway. What did he say? He said, heal the sick. This is who Jesus is. He goes and he heals the sick. Do you know that? Yeah, you sit in this church for a while. You know that. That's what he does. He heals the sick. He heals the sick. He heals the sick. He heals them. Because why? Because that's what he did. He went about doing good, healing all. Those who were oppressed of the devil. It wasn't a question. He just did it all. That's who he is. And then he cleansed the leper. Why did he talk about leprosy? Well, law and leprosy was two different things, right? Because the lepers were told to unclean, send them out. Exile them. Separate them. Put them in isolation. Why does it say that? See, now with Jesus, he just came and touched the leper, and they're clean. So you do the same thing. Because those people who are outside and cast outcasts, right, doesn't even, can be mental leprosy. You hearing what I'm saying? A lot of people suffer from mental leprosy. They don't want to be around folks. They feel ostracized. They don't feel good about themselves. What, what good is the church if we can't hit, help them, the people who are leprous on the inside? They're not even leprous on the outside, right? But they don't feel great about themselves. But Jesus said, I, you came to do that, to, to heal the leper. And we don't get to see, because our culture, we don't get to see it much, right? I saw it in India. But you don't get to see it here because we're clean, right? We're taking care of it. But let's just look at it from a spiritual point of view, that God did call us to take the outcast and the, those who were set out and bring them in. He said, call them in. Those who can't fit in. Those who are outside of society. Those who are rejected mentally. But Jesus came to make everything unclean, clean. You know that? You're the righteousness of God in Christ. You were once like that, that person, right? Right, Ephesians tells us that. Ephesians 2.13 says, but you, now in Christ, you were once afar off. We were once alienated. We were once alienated, and Jesus said, Actually, he probably went to find you. Right? I don't, know, I don't know about you, but I know about me. He came to find me. He came looking. <laughs> I think of that old hide and seek thing. Holy, holy income for you. Come on, come on, come on, wherever you are. 
You know, it was like Jesus was like calling me. And I was still running. Right? But it says that we were once afar off and now we've been brought near, what? By the blood of Christ. And then he talks about raising the dead, right? Everything dead can now be given life. Because the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in you. Right? I haven't seen anyone resurrected from the dead. I've had one opportunity. You know, it's not easy in America. They lock bodies up. We can't raise people from the dead unless we're like on the side of the road and we catch it. I don't mean that like funny. But it is funny. It's not easy. Like you can't just go to someone's morgue and try and raise them up. You're going to try? Yeah, I'll try. I'll try. Come on. Holy Spirit wants to bring everything that's dead to life. And then he ends with this, which I thought was interesting. Cast out demons. Why does he end with cast out demons? Why was it like demons at the top? Or somewhere in the middle. You know, like peanut butter and jelly. Somewhere in the middle. I don't want to deal with demonology. Why does it last? Right? And this is a reminder, I think, that all things, like I said before, everything, all things, all sickness, all sickness. I'm going to say it. I'll say it again and again. All sickness is demonic. It's not from heaven. It's not from heaven. It's demonic. So as a reminder to us, all things, sickness, disease, poverty, and demonic oppression are all under the king's authority. Right? The power of the kingdom rules everything. Are you hearing me tonight? And I remember this scripture, right, from Luke 10. Jesus said this. He said, they came back. Remember the story? They all came back. They raised the dead. They said, even the demons were subject to us, Jesus. Come on, you can see the 15-year-olds. They're like, <laughs> yeah. Did it. We're awesome. And he said this, right? He said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning. And then he said this, behold, pay attention, look, behold, because I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Good point, right? Yes, it was Jesus, it was red. Of course it was awesome, Right? But the reality is the next line. He says, nevertheless, don't rejoice in this. But that your spirits are subject to you. Rather, rejoice that your names are in heaven. It's like, why? Why is that better? And here's what I think the Lord thinks. This is my interpretation. That he says, look and behold... He wants us to look and understand that you've got all authority. All authority's done. It's a done deal. Right? It's a done deal. But there's the other part of that, that your name has been written in the book of life. And that's what we should be rejoicing over. Not about whether we can cast the devil out or heal the sick or even cleanse the leper. Right? Really? Because what, what is the greatest? What is the greatest miracle of all? The saving of a soul. I believe that. Because someone can be demonic, 
you know, you can still be saved and have demonic oppression. You can still be saved and, and need healing in your body. But I'm telling you right now, when God comes and he saves a soul, God brings them to himself and the angels rejoice. If angels are rejoicing, it's not like they're clapping every time a demon's cast out. They're like, Pfft. We think it's cool. We think it's good. I got authority. God's moving in my life. Come on. But he rejoices in the fact of salvation. Right? That your name is written. That you're a child of the king. And in being a child of the king, we live in the embassy. Come on, you live in the government of God. It all comes back together that we live in the place where God has given us diplomatic immunity wherever we are to go in and what? Bring the kingdom. Because the whole apostolic call is to bring the kingdom and expand and grow, right? So I want to raise the dead. I want to heal the sick. I want, I want God to use me in all those things. He's used me in some of that before, right? I've seen creative miracles. It's been amazing. But I look at what the Lord's saying in all this, and it goes back to the go. <laughs> what are we doing? We want to bring the kingdom. We want to bring the kingdom. Stand with me and let's just kind of get in a worship mindset. Yeah, I just, just raise our hands to heaven for a minute and just worship the Lord. Lord, we love you. We thank you. Thank you so much. Lord, I thank you that you've given us all authority. Thank you that you've given us things way beyond we even understand. Lord, I ask for the fire of your presence just to come upon us once again, Lord. Even as I saw in the back room, Lord, it was like a, a, a burning furnace in this room. Lord, let it fly now. Lord, let the fire of God fly move in this place. It's interesting, the Lord brought me to Isaiah 6 to end it tonight because I was like, well, how am I ending this thing, God? We know all about signs, wonders. We know about the kingdom. What does it look like? What are we doing? What, how do we ignite this, God, in our lives? How, what is, what is, we need the purpose of God to come and, and fill us right now. And we need vision from heaven to just engage. And so the Lord gave me Isaiah 6. Right, where Uzziah died. And sometimes good things can die. Because King Uzziah was a good king. And Isaiah was mourning. And so I think that there's, we're going to ask tonight for God to just bring some transformation to our thinking, to our mindsets, right? So that we acknowledge that the embassy is all around us.
But there's got to be a yes in our spirit, right? Because it says this in, in verse 4. It said, And the posts of the doors were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. Come on. I love, I love God and, and the drama. I like it. Fill the place with your smoke, with your glory, God. And so I said, woe am I, woe is me, for I'm undone, because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes, this is what I want you to look at, my eyes have seen the king. It's not even about wallowing in sin, because that's not the issue. It's about your eyes seeing the king. And if we see him for who he is, then we can't help but get heaven in us. And it says this, Then one of the seraphim flew to me, and having a, a live coal which he had taken from the tongs of the altar, he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity has been taken away, and your sin has been purged, which is right on. Right? Jesus cleansed us. Heaven's cleansed us. All righteousness we walk in. All just, we've been justified. There's not one thing that gets in the way of who he is in our lives, right? And then he says this, and I also heard a voice saying, whom shall I send? And that's what the call I think tonight is. Who am I going to send? He said to Moses, will you go? I hear the cry of the people. And I'm going to ask you tonight, do you hear the cry of any people? I can hear the whole nation, but I can hear New England. I want you to hear in the spirit right now. Do you hear a cry? And David would have said, is there not a cause? Because there's Philistines in the land that are just... trying to taunt. They don't want the church to get out of line. Just stay in religious ritual and you'll be okay. And I'll tell you right now, religion is poison. It's poison. It will kill the church. Trinity says this, who will go for us? So let's just raise our hands. We're just going to ask heaven. I just want you to agree. If you don't agree, don't agree. But I'm asking you to agree with me. Lord, will, will you send us? Lord, we just agree with heaven. And when heaven declares its glory, Father, we, we agree with what you're saying. Lord, when you tell us to go and preach the gospel, when you tell us to go and bring the kingdom, when you tell us to go, will we go? Lord, yes, we'll go. Yes, I'll go. Lord, I'll go. I'll just go. We agree with heaven. We agree with heaven. And don't worry, you can get loud. You can say something to the Lord because I think he wants to hear our voice. Well, I know he hears our thoughts, but he can hear our voice and he wants to hear our yes. God, we thank you. God, we love you. 
So Lord, we ask tonight, just like a burning flame, like a burning fire, come in with the hot coals and release them to people tonight, God. Release them to folks tonight. Release them to our spirit man right now, God. Touch our lips. Let our language, let us be able to declare heaven. Lord, I'm asking for coals to come to me. Come to my mouth. Come to my spirit. Come to my eyes. Come to my ears. Come to us in ways we haven't seen, God. And I thank you, God. Lord, let this place be hungry for heaven's encounter. Lord, let us be hungry for the face of the king. Let us have eyes that are burning with what we see in your eyes, God. Let, us, let our eyes have a vision of revelation of you, the one who's on the throne with eyes like fire. God, let that come. 